thank you for listening to the weekly message at First Baptist Church in Bushland, Texas. Grab your bulletin on the back is your outline, and we are continuing through the series, Not a Fan. And uh, I want to say first, thank you for a countless number of emails and texts and cards and phone calls that I have received about this series and what it has done in your life and is still doing in your life. And um, I thank you for that. And that means a lot to me because it's a pretty tough series. I mean, it's not, it's not cookies and milk by any means, okay? And so thank you for that. And what I plan to do um, is to continue the Now to Fan series even through the holiday season because I want us to see the shepherds and I want us to see the magi in the backdrop of Not a Fan, and I think it's going to be very impacting to you, so I did want to mention that to you, and, um, and so you can look forward to that. I want to read this to you. I want you to listen to it. It's a little story about Matt Emmons. I don't know if you remember him. He was um, competing in the 2004 Olympics. He was competing in 50-meter three-position rifle event. Matt did not need a bullseye to win. His final shot in the 2004 Olympics only needed to hit the target. Normally, a shot he made would, the shot he made would have received an 8.1, more than enough for a gold medal. But in what was described as an extremely rare mistake in elite competition, Emmons fired at the wrong target. Standing in lane two, he fired at the target in lane three. His score for a good shot at the wrong target, zero. Instead of a medal in the Olympics, he ended up in eighth place. That's a picture of what happens to a lot of fans. If you ask them, are you a fan or a follower? They would confidently respond, a follower. It's not a question of effort or desire. They're following hard. But here's the problem. It's not Jesus they're following. Without realizing it, they are aiming at the wrong target Instead of following Jesus, they are following religious rules, traditions, and rituals. They have confused their target. There's a group of people that we're going to see in Matthew chapter 23 that were doing just that. Back then, there was a Sanhedrin. It was a court made up of two groups of people. The Sadducees and the Pharisees. The Sadducees were basically the cream dollar cream of this group. Reason is, they got in this group based on their heritage. They had the right mama and daddy and the right line, the right lineage. They were born into it. So they kind of trumped the Pharisees. The Pharisees were in the Sanhedrin court But the Pharisees, in order to get in, 
had to spend a ridiculous amount of time studying the Word. Now, I say that, but I don't want you to hear, did he just say it was a ridiculous amount of time to study the Word? No, it's not what I mean. But they had to study it constantly. Now, understand something, that this makes up a couple of people. I mean, this makes up two groups, but you find them in a lot of fans. There's a lot of fans in the church today that were born in church. That's what they believe. They believe that they woke up the first time in a nursery, but it was at the church, not at the hospital. And I have met people in their 40s, 50s, 60s, even 70s that would tell me and have told me over and over again, I know I'm a Christian because ever since I can remember, I've been in church. Well, my friends, you could have been born in McDonald's. And ever since you remember that you've been in McDonald's, but you're still not a Happy Meal. And you're not. No matter what you think and what your mirror says, that's not who you are. And so you have fans that believe that just because every time the door is open in the church, they are there, then they are a follower. Mm. You have to be very careful. You may be. But you may not be. And see, you got the Pharisees, on the other hand, that studied, studied, studied the Word. They knew it backwards and forward. Jeopardy Bible graph, would, they would wear it out. They would wear it out. Don't pray, play them in Bible trivia. They'd wear you out. They could tell you the, the weight of the tomb and the, and the size of the tomb and the dinosaurs. And they could tell you everything. I mean, they could tell you if Moses was missing a toe. I mean, they could tell you everything, okay? By the way, he wasn't, okay, that we know of, okay? Uh, ten toes, all right? But here's the deal. They knew it. But, folks, knowing the Word and knowing about the Word and knowing about Jesus doesn't necessarily make you a follower. It just makes you a hundred on the Jesus quiz. Now, you got these two groups of people that make up the Sanhedrins, okay? They, if asked, would say, oh, yeah, I'm a follower. But remember what follower means and remember what fan means. I want you to go to Matthew 23, and we're going to go there and look at these groups of people. Let's just read the first five verses. That's plenty, okay? And I'll kind of set the table on the rest of that. Verse 23 of Matthew. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, These teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. You must obey them and do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do. For they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for men to see. Ouch. That's a hard word. And he goes on in this chapter, and he says seven woes. 
Woe to you, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you. And he keeps going. And he does it seven times on seven different scenarios and areas that they have got to stop. If you're riding a horse, and I mean, I've been on some horses, but I'm not, I'm not a cowboy, okay? And if a horse starts going a little quicker than I want it to go, what do you say? Whoa. Now, that horse may or may not, whoa, okay? But I'm going to keep saying it. What Jesus is saying right here is, look, dude, you're out of control, and woe to you. You better stop. He says to them, you're missing the target. You're chasing after the wrong stuff. And he says to us as a church, do not miss the target. The target is and only is, it always will be Jesus. Not everything else. All right? All the other stuff is good. I understand that. It can look good. But my friends, it can mess you up. It can confuse you. Keeping the main thing is the main thing. You got rules versus relationship. These guys in the Sanhedrin court, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they had the rules. But my friends, Jesus did not die for you to keep rules. He died so he might have a relationship with you. You are under grace, my friends. You are under mercy, my friends. You say, well, great. I'll just become a Christian, and I'll get saved, and I know when I die, I'll go to heaven, so now I'll go live like hell. Then you didn't get saved. I'm sorry. You're lost, dude. I don't, well, I prayed that prayer. So? You prayed it with your toe because you didn't pray it with your heart. Because when a man prays that prayer and Jesus comes in and saves them and they were once blind but now they're seeing, they ran, once ran in the trees and now they miss them. They were once without hope and now they got hope. Let me tell you, when Jesus sets you free, you'll be free indeed. And you're not going to go out there and live like a crazy man because you've been bought by the blood of the lamb and his blood's on you and you're going to heaven because now you, you don't have to worry about how you live. Let me tell you something. You didn't get saved. If that's your philosophy and that's your lifestyle, you're lost. And you can tell Jesus you prayed a prayer. And he'll look at the Father and say, I don't know him. I don't know him. And you're going to scream stuff like this. But I've been in church all my life. I prayed that little prayer. Yeah. You prayed it. But it didn't come from your heart. And you miss heaven by 12 inches, my friend. And a lot of people will. My friends, don't get caught up in checking off your little Baptist Christian boxes. You better put that, put that up. The gold, they ain't hand out gold stars anymore. That's done. If you want to read the word, you read the word not because someone's watching and because you feel like you have to. You read that love letter from Jesus because you love him and you want to know what he thinks of you. You want to follow him. You want to see him. You want to experience the word. You want to hide it in your heart so you may not sin against him. You want to know the hope he has for you. You got to be careful, man. The church has got to be very careful because you can absolutely get lulled into this, this little checkbox stuff and thinking you're good when Jesus is going at you. You got to be careful. 
It's not, it's not very nice to make Jesus gag. It's just not. It's rude, okay? Rules versus relationship. How you doing? I'm going to tell you, every church, and I pray we don't have one, but a church of this side probably has one. You've you been in those churches that you got, uh, I don't know their official title, but they're the, the Baptist rule keeper. They can tell you how you sit. They can tell you what your dress was, if it was inappropriate or not. They can tell you if you sang that song or didn't sing that song, if you meant that song and didn't mean that song, if you did this. If you, I mean, they just sit back there, and their whole bent on life coming to church is that God needs them there because they're the Holy Spirit to check on the church. And they'll come up there and tell you. I had a little lady at First Baptist Church in Athens, Texas that found me one Sunday after church, and she told me that, that I was being irreverent in church. Because I stood to sing, and I didn't sing. And I said, ma'am, I'm not being irreverent. I'm just blessing the Lord because I'm just going to tell you right now, I can't sing. And I'm blessing the people around me. And she said, well, you're not blessing Jesus. And I said, well, I'll start singing to Jesus and hope they can't hear me. How about that? She said, that'll be just good. I said, well, thank you. All right? I'm not making fun of her, I promise. She's sweet. But she got on to me. And I used to hide in the back back there under the balcony because I didn't think the Holy Spirit got over there. So I tried to hide way back there. But I'm going to tell you, the Holy Spirit found me a lot. Okay? And they'll find you too. So be careful with rules. Realize that something is. Realize this, that it's all about a relationship with Jesus. It's a love relationship between you and Jesus. He's not over there grading you. He's not. Okay? He's not grading you. And you're not trying to impress him with your grade, okay? Choosing laws over love. Mm. The laws, okay? That's a love letter, not a law letter. People say, oh, man, I can't do this because this or this and this. I got this law. You can't do this. You can't do this. What about joining the Baptist church? That means I can't dance. Well, that means going to the Baptist church. can't mean this. I mean, what? That's what laws, dude. Quit. You're not going to keep them. Jesus knew you couldn't keep them all. That's why he sent his son to die for you. Because he knew you couldn't keep all those laws. It's crazy to think you can. And don't get caught up in that. That's not a law book. It is a love book. It's a love book, man. You've got to read that like it's a love letter, okay? Not like a law letter. That's the wrong way to look at that. Because otherwise, you're not going to see Jesus as a loving God. You're going to see him as a judge and a hard God. Let me tell you something. You're not going to sit in the lap of a hard judge, but you'll sit in the lap of a loving Heavenly Father. I was sharing Christ with a kid one time in my student ministry, and he said, Jeff, you keep referring to Jesus as our Heavenly Father. I do. So if I get saved, then, then you always say that he's never going to leave me or forsake me. That's right. Well, so I had a father one time. He left me when I was eight, and I hadn't seen him since. And the reason I don't come to Jesus and the reason I'm not going to pray this prayer because I bet he'd leave me too. Let me tell you something. Jesus is not going to leave you. And I'm sorry your heavenly father had left you. I mean, I'm sorry your earthly father left you, but that heavenly father is not going to leave you. He read that book right there as law, not of love, man. And he filtered Jesus through his earthly father. So if you're an earthly father here, mm, watch out. Because they're viewing you 
But when they see you, in the backdrop is Jesus. So make sure they see the real Jesus when they see you. Because that's how they look at you. Guilt over grace. Oh, my goodness, man. Guilt over grace. This, this book here is all about grace, man. The Sadducees and Pharisees, they were, they were just, they were all over laying out the guilt. But they missed grace. They missed that grace for big time. Missed it big time. You remember the Pharisees are the cats in, in, in Matthew who are praying on the street corner, praying out loud, praying real loud so everybody can hear them. And let me paraphrase what Jesus said to him. Shut up. <laughs> Sorry, not going to get you a good grade in seminary, but that'll get the point across. Here's the deal. That made him sick to his stomach. I mean, he wanted to throw up big time. He said, these people, they worship me with their lips, but their hearts, whoo, they're so far from me. They're so far from me. They're so far from me. Is he saying that to you today? Now, I know he wouldn't say shut up because that's a bad word. We can't even say that at my house. So Jesus is saying be quiet with your lips, and I want to hear that heart. Listen to your heart. Look at your heart. Don't look at your outward appearance because I'm not. Look at your inward appearance. Look at your heart. Look at it because you need to look at it because everybody else is seeing it. And it's so hard. My grandfather said that, that that junk in life can make you so hard that you miss the beauty of sunsets. That's the truth, man. It'll make you hard. You say, well, Jeff, where are we at here with Sanhedrin's and the Pharisees? I mean, with the Sadducees and the Pharisees. What, what's going on with these guys? I'll tell you what's going on with these guys. Here's a question that God's asking today. Are you self empowered are you spirit filled that's the two deals right there for you and me for us not to come out like them what's the difference let me tell you they were self-empowered they thought it was all about them it's not it's all about the holy spirit that lives in each one of us my friends i want you to look at uh i don't think you got it let's go to john go to john's gospel Look at verse six. I mean, chapter sixteen, verse seven. Now, over in Acts chapter one, I want to tell you real quick about Acts chapter one, verses eight and nine. Jesus said, "You're going to have what when Jesus comes on you? When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you're going to have power, power." Okay. Now, the Holy Spirit is a big key here, and we're going to look at a bunch of it because it, without being spirit filled, you're going to get hard. You're going to be self powered, and you're going to check scores. Look at John chapter sixteen, verse seven. John 16, 7, but I tell you the truth. That's a, good, that's a good thing to tell somebody. It is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Who is that? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Flip over to Acts 1. I just referenced it, but I want you to see it. Flip over to Acts 1. I told you to flip, and I flipped too far. Acts 1. Look at verse uh, 8 and 9 of Acts 1. 
But why not go to start in 7? Acts 1, 7. He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has sent by his own authority, but you will receive power. Who will? You. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, to all the ends of the earth. When what? When the Holy Spirit comes. Can I tell you something that the Sadducees and the Pharisees were missing? Holy Spirit. I want you to look at Ephesians. Ephesians 5, 18. 5, 18. I'm going to read 17 also. Ephesians 5, 17, 18. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. The story is told of a father who was very heartbroken over his teenage daughter. This young lady had been in church all her life up to that point. She graduates from high school, goes off to college, and absolutely goes bananas. Nuts. Like she'd never been raised. Choices were terrible. Decisions were terrible. Friends were terrible. All kind of stuff. And the father, distraught by that, could not figure out what in the world they had done wrong. And I want you to listen to what he says. He tells his pastor this. We raised her in church, but we didn't raise her in Christ. Woo! Lord, Moses. You say, well, that's not that big of a sentence. That is a monster sentence. We raised her in church, but we didn't raise her in Christ. When I'm in the baptismal waters, I say these words. I baptize you, my sister, in Christ. Come on. Why? Because she now is my sister in Christ based on the blood of Christ. So I baptize her in Christ in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something, folks. The greatest thing you can do for your children is to remind them daily who they are in Christ. In Christ. In Christ. It's not rules. It's relationship. It's not guilt, it's grace. It's not law, it's love. I'm telling you, the church, if you think just bringing them to church will get it done, you're wrong. It, it does help. It should do, it should, it, you shouldn't have a trouble, you shouldn't have a problem. But I'm going to tell you right now, it is tough out there. Between 18 and 25 is seven tough, confusing, hard years.
I'm going to tell you something. They're not going to do well if all their memory is of church is potluck and a pew. They better remember who they are in Christ. They cannot, they cannot milk off your relationship. They've got to have their own relationship with Christ. They must be born again. They must be in Christ. Not in church, but in Christ. Now, if you're in Christ, you should be in church, but you can't get them backwards. You can't come to be in church thinking that makes you in Christ. That makes sense? My friends, this world is brutal. Brutal. And there's a lot of muffed up, goofy, confused junk out there. And they've got to know who they are in Christ. And they've got to know that word, man. I mean, they've got to know the word. Because the only thing they're going to fall back on is that. That's got to be their foundation piece. And so, my friends, you can't be self-empowered. You must be spirit-filled. Now, I'm going to tell you something. The charismatic church has hurt the Baptist denomination. I'm going to tell you that. And you say, no, it hadn't. How's it happened? I'll tell you how it's hurt. It's caused the Baptist church to talk less and be concerned less with the Holy Spirit. Because they, do, they don't want to have rattlesnakes in the church. They don't want people jumping pews. And they don't want somersaults. But I'm going to tell you something. By missing all of that, you have missed the Holy Spirit of God. And a lot of pastors don't want the Holy Spirit to do stuff in their church because a pastor cannot say these simple words, I don't know. Because the Holy Spirit will do stuff in people's lives that you may not be able to explain. But it's still Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, the Holy Spirit is alive and well in people's lives and is doing miracle work every day single day and my friends when we start avoiding the holy spirit because we're afraid we can't explain it is the day that jesus says hmm i'm out of here i'm out of here and church without jesus is dead and church without the holy spirit you will not attend and church without the presence of the one true living god is not a place i want to be i might not be able to explain it but i sure want to be in the middle of it Because apart from it, oh, it's a sad, sad day, man. It's a sad, sad thing. The enemy ain't worried about that church because that church is not bothering the enemy. I want to be a part of a church that the enemy knows its name. And it shudders when it hears it. I want to be a part of that kind of church. We got a row. Got a row. In the Old Testament, a few years ago, I did a word study. Word studies were simply this. You see a lot of times in the Old Testament where it says God with man. Either with Abraham, God was with Moses, God with David, God was with Joseph, God was Elijah. But here's an interesting thing. When you flip to the New Testament, (laughs) when you flip to the New Testament, you don't see God with man anymore. You see God in us and that is so huge because i think today if moses could come back and he'd say hmm we'd say hey moses what was it like to have god with you all that time 
He said, dude, I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about what it was like to have the Holy Spirit, Jesus himself, God himself, living in you. He said, Elijah, what was it like when you called that fire down from heaven and it burned up that trench right there at Mount Carmel? Oh, I, I, that was cool, but let me tell you something. I'd rather talk about the Holy Spirit that's in you that causes you to be a conqueror, that says you can do great things, that walks with you, that speaks to you, that holds your hands, that, that, that you know every single day he's walking in you and doing great things in you. You see, my friends, God with us is good, but God in us is better, a whole lot better. That's great stories. And a lot of people say the Old Testament is so cool and the New Testament is not. What? Yeah, that's some good stories. But I'm going to tell you, there's power when he's in us. And it's not God having to do it all. You can do it by the power that lives in you. It's a whole lot more when you can tell Moses' story. That's a good one. But when you tell your story, whoo, that's some sweet stuff. Because Moses standing in front of them, nope, you are. When you tell that couple, hey, man, we about gave up on our marriage. We were about ready to give it over to the enemy. Our home, our kids, it was a mess. But then the Holy Spirit took over. It changed my wife. It changed me. It changed my kids. And my address didn't change, but that was a whole different home. Let me tell you something. That couple don't even know there was a Moses in the Bible at that point. Because what you have just demonstrated to them is a spirit-filled believer who knows the Holy Spirit can change lives and change families and change marriages. Let me tell you, man, there's a whole lot of power in Christ than with Christ. Now, I like both, but I'm going to tell you I'm very glad that I have Christ in me as well as with me. I want you to go to the last text. Let's go to Galatians. Go to Galatians. And all of this Holy Spirit is, it's not a question of whether you have access to the Holy Spirit, because if you're a born-again child of the King, you do. The question becomes, how much of the Holy Spirit are you accessing? Amen? It's not a question of whether the Holy Spirit lives in you. Because if you're a born-again child of the King this morning, the Holy Spirit lives in you. You say, well, I, I, I don't really know if he does. <laughs> if you're saved, he does. The, the reason that you don't know is he's so small and insignificant, and he doesn't do anything in your life. That's why you don't know. So start calling on that Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden you're going to see the manifestation of him in a lot of different ways in your life. And then when somebody says, is the Holy Spirit lived in you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, here we go. Uh, Galatians 2, let's begin in verse 20. you got to get this. I mean, if you got your pen, you need to get this. This is good stuff here. Galatians 2.20, we know this verse. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live by the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Watch this, verse 21. I do not set aside the grace of God, for his righteousness could not be gained through the law. Christ died for nothing, if I can get there by the law. Look at, look at three. You foolish Galatians, 
Who has bewitched you? Before you were very before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish that after beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Have you suffered so much for nothing? It is really for nothing. Does God give you the Spirit and the work of miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you have heard? Man. You know what he's saying? It is not the law, my friends. It is Jesus. Have you... Have you have you been so foolish that you received Jesus and you have the Holy Spirit living in you? You have the power, but instead of calling on that power, you're trying to do everything on your own. And now you, you, he just looks dead. Quit. Call on the power that lives in you. My friends, listen to me, church. Don't be so foolish in the thinking that the law and all that junk is going to fulfill you. It's not. It leaves you empty. Let me tell you, there, there is a bunch of people who are absolutely worn out, burnout on church and Jesus because all they tried to do their whole life is be good enough, earn it, smell right, eat right, think right, wear right, drive right, all that stuff. And they're tired. Because they don't even know who they are. They've got so far away from it. You get so tired of all that stuff that you forget, my friends. It is not about the stuff of God. It's about the grace of God. Today, if you're tired, if you feel like the Sadducees or the Pharisees, because you have forgotten that it's a love relationship, not this law-jumping, law-keeping, guilt thing. I mean, it's all about Christ. Come back to Jesus and let him lift that load off of you that it talks about in Matthew and let him give you freedom in Christ because the only way you're going to be free is in Christ. If you're not in Christ, you're not going to be free. You're not going to be free. And my friends, what I find in the church, those who are not free keep score on everyone else. Don't do that. Be free indeed, my friend. Let me pray with you. Father, this morning, thank you so much for your word. And God, we can get in a trap so easy of shooting at the wrong target. And God, I pray for anybody in here, the sound of my voice, that's been putting forth incredible effort and an incredible desire to shoot the target, but all along, they're just aiming at the wrong target. And they're so tired because their scores are just zeros. Father, I pray you set them free from chasing the law, chasing rituals, chasing religion, and they would come back to Jesus, a relationship 
with Jesus. A fulfilling, meaningful, two-way, brother-to-brother, friend-to-friend, he speaks to me and I speak to him kind of relationship. And God, I pray for that person or persons that the word of God has become a book of laws and not a book of love. A book of guilt and not a book of grace. And God, I pray that they would embrace you, the real Jesus, not the American Jesus, not the Texas Jesus, not the Baptist Jesus, but the biblical Jesus today. Father, I pray this morning for anyone in the sound of my voice that may not have a relationship with you, that may have just spent their whole life up to this point just trying to be good enough, keeping score, doing the rules, doing the rituals, trying to earn their way. And they're so tired. So tired. Father, I pray for a family that's looking for a church home. I pray, God, you lead them here. And they would come and be a part of what God's doing here at our church. God, I thank you. During this invitation time, it's your invitation to us. And I pray we respond to you in Jesus' name.